Welcome to Verity Ed, where parents are primary. Today, I am going to take a step back from my usual MO of reviews and practical tips and getting into the nitty gritty of education, home education, classical education. I really wanna take a step back today to consider a broader question. What is education? And yes, we're gonna do all of that broad thinking in 20 to 30 minutes, but I wanted to take a step back because I do feel that sometimes I get caught up, especially um, when I'm transitioning from one set of grades to the next set of grades, or when we're thinking about making a change in our homeschool from one curriculum to another, or when we're adding another child to the mix of kids being educated. I feel like I get caught up in the transition and caught up in the change and caught up in, okay, well, which curriculum is going to be the best and which curriculum is going to last for the next five years and figuring all that out. And those are really, really important questions and I address them in my videos, but I wanted to talk a little more deeply about what's this whole project about? Because I think that when we get feeling like we have to make a change, we're sometimes not considering what's our long-term goal and what's the goal that gives us the reason why we make all these efforts and why we work so hard to build a great home culture and a great home education. So I want to think about that. Let's get into it. Part of what inspired me to do this particular video and give this talk was an article by Martin Cothran in The Classical Teacher, which is put out by Memoria Press. And just a quick drop, Memoria Press does have me on their affiliate program. And so if you are interested in supporting Verity Ed and you're considering ordering from them, please do use my affiliate link. I would really appreciate the support. But anyway, I was reading an article of his that he wrote in 2020 for the classical teacher. And he just laid out the idea of education as the arts and the sciences. And I thought what he did was really interesting um, and just so clear. It helped me really think about my decisions for my kids going forward in our homeschool. And he was just defining these terms that I throw out there all the time, like arts and sciences and skills and subjects and all that. And he, he just brought them back to their root and their meaning. So I'm going to start with a quote of his. He wrote, one of the problems in discussing and debating the right way to educate our children is a confusion about what education actually consists of. He says, we talk about education when we mean training. We talk about the importance of STEM subjects like mathematics as if math had nothing to do with the liberal arts. We talk about the liberal arts as if we were referring to the humanities, and the humanities, well, we hardly talk about them at all. And I was just kind of struck by this because I have been producing videos that break learning down into subjects just for the sake of convenience, right? Because yeah, I have to choose a math program, and yeah, I have to choose a science program, and you can see those videos here we talk about STEM and here I talk about technology education and careers for high schoolers um, but it's so important to define our terms and get back to what they really mean 
because I think a lot of us, myself included, had a very modern education, which has become sort of a collection of random subjects. Um, I was doing a research for an article on racist math trends in public schools. You might have heard of this out in California, became a very big story in early 2021. And I found as I was doing this research that the list of subjects was very overwhelming to me. And I'm a pretty well-educated person, but I was looking at the subjects that the kids have to cover now in order to consider be considered high school graduates. And I was really tired by the end of reading the list. There was math, which was different every single year. Then you had English composition one year, you had English literature and poetry, you had social studies, which included geography, history, sociology, politics, and I would say ideology. Then you had science, which means only natural science, and that was a different one each year. Most kids have a different teacher each year. Then they had computer literacy, civics, physical education, life skills, fine arts, foreign language, health and wellness. In Catholic schools, there was religion tacked on. Uh, extracurricular skills. They had sensitivity training in California public schools. And then they had electives. They also had to have seven electives. So this was a checklist. At this point, after that list of subjects, you're not even talking about education anymore. You're talking about a checklist. Um, and it's what Martin in his article called psychological and utilitarian enthusiasms, right? Like you can kind of imagine, all right, public school started off with reading, writing, and arithmetic. And then somebody got really excited and so they broke, um, then they got, we broke out into civics and we broke out into composition. And then we broke it out into literature and poetry. And then someone was excited about computers. So we added on computer courses. And then we had life skills and fine arts. And someone was like, well, what about sensitivity? Let's add that in this year. And pretty soon we have these students who are at the mercy of the whims and the enthusiasms of these adults, the professional educators. And I think what so many students take away from this sort of checklist approach to traditional institutional education is that when you hit 17 or 18 years old and you've finished the checklist, you are done. Your education is complete and now you can go train to make lots of money in college or what have you. But that should be the opposite. It should be that you get to 16, 17, 18 years old and you finally have this sense of, at last, I have the tools in my intellect and I have the good habits of study in my will that I can finally begin my education. That now I'm 16, 17, 18, I have grammar, I have logic, I have rhetoric, I have the arts and sciences, and I can now finally undertake those educational um, enthusiasms that I have deep within me. Martin talks about how students in our public schools have to narrow down their interests and specialize very, very young in order to take more fun classes. So we see sort of the charter school phenomenon where students are breaking out in seventh or eighth grade to go to an arts charter school or a STEM charter school. So they're narrowing very young in order to get a deeper and a better education in these sort of um, specialized charter schools or just schools in general, private schools, but it shouldn't be that way, right? 
education should be broadening the mind at that very young age and noticing how all the different areas of education connect and integrate one to another. Another effect of this checklist approach to education is that it makes children into the passive victims of the whims and enthusiasms of professional educators. And children should not be passive in their learning. This is not how the human psyche uh, was created, how it developed. We're meant to be the active participants and the drivers of our own education. But when you have a checklist a mile long of all of the non-racist maths that you have to take in order to graduate and complete your education, you're really victimizing children and they're becoming that passive sort of receptacle that the good um, graces of the public school and the state institutions will now be filling up. So we want an education where the children are the active participants and really the agents of their own learning. And how do we do that? I think the best way for adults to do that and to help give that agency back to children is to take a chill pill. Like adults, take a chill pill, calm down, and step back from planning everybody's education to the minute and what you have to do this year and that year and this year to cover all of these little bases and all these interest groups and make sure that we're feeling happy and we're trying everything and that our child is never asked to do too much. So just take a step back, adults, and let's redefine our terms and consider the simplicity of what education is and that's going to help us to give that agency back to children but with a newfound confidence that we aren't leaving them in the lurch or failing to equip them with the tools they need to educate themselves. So this is where I fell in love with what Martin Cawthorn was doing in his article. He breaks it down very simply into arts and sciences. Education is arts and it is sciences and most of us who went to university or college heard that term or we saw it pasted on the sign above the building it's just the college of arts and sciences and did we ever really stop to think about what that meant and how it applies to our own education of our children in the home so what is art well art is a skill it's something that you do that you actively are doing. So there's the art of planning, the art of organization, the art of making something, the art of learning, right? The art of studying, the art of speaking, the art of mowing the lawn. These are things that we do and you generally get better at arts the more you practice them. It's time over tension, it's training, and it's doing them over and over and over again until you're really good at doing that thing. So the arts are making things, it, they are skills. So then moving over to sciences, well science from the Latin scientia is knowledge. It's a body of knowledge. So you have the science of history with your body of historical knowledge. You have the science of theology, the queen of the sciences, because it's growing in knowledge of the highest things. You have the natural sciences, knowledge of created things. You have mathematics, which is a science of bodies and numbers and relationships. So let's say in our homeschool or in our small classical school, wherever you are educating children, education should address these two areas. There should be arts, 
so that our kids can do stuff and do it well. And there should be sciences so that our kids know stuff and know it well and know true things. So do you see the simplicity there? It's very, it gives a lot of peace, I think, to the adults who are responsible for planning education to just step back and say, arts, are they learning to do things well? And sciences, do they know things thoroughly and deeply? And do they have the tools to learn more things? So let's start with the arts. The arts can also be broken down into a few key areas that will help you reflect on your homeschool or again on your classical charter school, wherever you are teaching and ask yourself, am I doing this? And I think you'll be surprised. You're doing a lot of things really, really well with the arts. So the arts can be divided into manual arts and fine arts and the liberal arts. Now the manual arts, they're not essential to the main point of education. There are a lot of times they're the fun things, um, but they're not often part of the core of that very early learning. They are, however, absolutely essential to human flourishing, to civilization, and to society, and they're often more lucrative as adults in the world trying to support a family and make a living. Because if we can't grow things to eat them, it's hard to study Socrates right? I got distracted by a thought. Okay. So the manual arts would include things such as learning to farm, horticulture, mechanics, car mechanics, um, carpentry, electrical circuitry. These are very practical uh, manual tasks, but that require real skill and training such as apprenticeships. So manual arts. Then we come to the fine arts, the bane of every parent who thinks, an actor? Will he become an actor? No, not that, anything but. And as a parent, I too feel a certain sense of apprehension when I consider the possibility that one of my children may try and make a living one day as a painter or a fine artist or a dancer because... Well, you know, those mechanical arts are, like I said, a little more lucrative than the fine arts. But the fine arts are absolutely essential. As I discuss in my interview with Dee Dee Mahalik, a veteran homeschooling mom, they're essential to an education because they are um, skills that set us apart from other animals and beasts. They are done for their own sake. We dance because we wish to move our bodies beautifully. They set us apart from the rest of creation. We paint because we want to reflect and build upon the, the beauty of creation. And they're done for satisfaction and for self-expression. They have a direct relevance to the human soul. So as I mentioned, examples of fine arts would be painting, drawing, Drama, musical performance is a habit or a skill in the fine arts. And all of these things are very important to human expression. It does not mean that they need to be the core of your child's education. I'll get to that in a moment. But they should have a significant role in their study of the arts. So we have the mechanical arts and the fine arts, and then we come to the last group of arts or habits or skills that should be in our education, the liberal arts. And this is the core 
of an education because the liberal arts are concerned with the habit or the skill of learning. So when we say we want to raise lifelong learners, when we want those children who reach 16, 17, 18 and feel, aha, at last I can begin my education, those are students who are equipped with the liberal arts. Martin Cothran again divides the liberal arts into two groups. We have the language arts, which are grammar, logic, and rhetoric, or they're known as the trivium. I talk about them a lot when I talk about classical education or Memoria Press products or Mother of Divine Grace because those early years are really concerned with developing the language arts. Once you have those arts or habits or skills, you're going to be able to master just about any science or body of knowledge, which I'll get to in just a minute. The last four are known as the mathematical arts, um, and they are arithmetic, which studies numbers or learns the habit of working with numbers. You have geometry, which studies uh, continuous numbers. Then you have music, which is a mathematical liberal art, and it's the application of arithmetic um, to sound and rhythms. Um, and then finally, astronomy, which is applying geometry to moving bodies uh, in the heavens. So you have the seven liberal arts, which are the core of a complete education. And if you're nailing those liberal arts and you're dipping into the fine arts as expressions of the human soul, and you're dipping into some mechanical arts as ways to actually live in the world and serve us in our earthly existence very practically, then you have a great beginning to an education. So let's turn to the sciences now, the bodies of knowledge, which are all integrated. As Catholics, we believe that all truth is one and that all truth is found in God. So any body of knowledge is going to be related to another body of knowledge. And sciences are almost secondary to the liberal arts because it's through the liberal arts of grammar and logic and rhetoric, observation, all of these arts of learning that we come to a body of knowledge. So arts and sciences go together, a little bit of primacy to the arts. So what are the sciences? He divides the sciences into three subcategories. So there are moral sciences, or what we call the humanities. Then there are the natural sciences, which is what we're thinking of when we're thinking of like chemistry and STEM and all that. And then we have the theological sciences, which are the highest studies of highest things. So moral sciences or humanities, they trouble themselves with knowledge about human concerns, human ideals, human affairs and hopes and aspirations. They're focused on who we are, on what we should be and what human beings were made for. So you're thinking here in the moral sciences of literature, which is the human thought and expression of the good and the true and the beautiful, or their opposites because, yeah, we're fallen. So literature can be used to also express the ugly, the warped, the perverse. So we'll talk a lot about the Western canon and how important it is to have Western civilization as part of your canon of literature when you're considering homeschooling, when you're coming up with a list of what works should a student read in high school to be well read. And when we say Western, I think it's important 
for parents to educate themselves that we're not being like, okay, so we only read dead white guys because Western civilization is like all European. It's actually not. When we say the Western canon, we are not excluding other civilizations because one of the defining characteristics of Western civilization has been a curiosity about and an openness to other cultures. So when we're reading the Western canon, we're reading ancient Greeks, and we're reading Persians, and we're reading North Africans. We're looking into the contributions of Chinese and Far Eastern cultures on the civilization that grew up around the Mediterranean, which was anything but lily white. So yes, when I say you need to address the Western canon when you're doing literature in the moral sciences, it's to get that sense of openness to other cultures and acknowledging the importance of every human civilization's contribution to our knowledge of ourselves. Also important and vital to the humanities, if not the underlying humanities subject, is of course human history. It is only by understanding our actions in the past that we will understand ourselves in the present. So the study of history in the sciences is absolutely necessary, and it is a science. It's a body of knowledge to be understood, to be learned by heart, and then analyzed and understood through the lens of literature and the arts that those civilizations that went before us were practicing and expressing themselves in. And then the final area of study in the humanities is my favorite, philosophy, which is the consideration of ideas and human thought apart from their his history and their fine arts and the literature. So it's looking at the deepest, most fundamental underlying human questions that are universal to all times, all cultures, and all thinkers. So in terms of the moral sciences, when you're looking at your homeschool, ask yourself, are we diving into universal human considerations? Are my children being exposed to a broad array of ideas through books that have stood the test of time? We know they are beautiful and good and true because they are truly classic, which means long-lasting. They ask universal questions. They help children insert themselves and imagine themselves in different civilizations throughout history, in different human conflicts as heroes, in different uh, human endeavors. So looking back at your last homeschool year or looking forward to the next, don't get all worried about which curriculum's right, which one, but ask yourself, are we diving into the moral sciences? Next, we have the natural sciences, which are the study of natural things, the created world. So we're looking at biology, we're looking at geology, meteorology, we're looking at chemistry, the building box of physics, and all of these wonderful what God has made, and just looking at the world around us. This body of knowledge is so important because it does redound significantly upon all the arts that I mentioned. It's in the study of the physical world, and it's our encounter and observing through our five senses, what is around us, that we really can be solidifying those liberal arts and we can find material for our human expression in the fine arts and we can be uh, improving the world around us through the mechanical arts. 
So that body of natural science is very important, not only for its own sake or because, oh, you can get into medical school someday, or, oh, you could get into engineering if you study enough chemistry and physics, but they're important because they are a ground for becoming a human being who has habits of learning, habits and skills in all of those different areas that we talked about under the arts. And finally, we have the theological sciences. These are the most important of all of the sciences, but they're also those which we study finally and last, because we can't consider the things of God unless we have first encountered the things of God in human history and in the created world. But theological sciences include the study of theology itself, dogmatic theology, who is God, why did he create, what are his attributes. We also study questions of belief and morality. If God is this, how then should we act? How do we know how to worship him? What duties do we owe to him? What love has he shown to us? And how do we respond to that love? And then, of course, the science of apologetics, which is being able to give a reason for the faith and the hope that is within you. And these are very advanced sciences. It's an advanced body of knowledge in the sense that when human beings try to come up with intellectual um, explanations of the deep mysteries of God, we kind of have two approaches, right? We have the childlike approach of assent and the wonder and the natural love and the unreflective acceptance and trust that we see in a small child and that every adult Christian is called to also share and to um, come to in a deeper way in their adult life. We also have the gift of our wit and our intellect and our reason that in order to be who God created us to be, we must exercise in coming um, to a deeper understanding and reason for our faith. And so we do that by exercising the arts we do that by deepening our sciences, our bodies of knowledge about God, and then applying it to our knowledge of him as the pinnacle of our education. So as a homeschooling parent um, or as a teacher, what you'd want to do is look at your overall trajectory of your homeschool, of your plan for your children. Where have you been and where are you going? And are they aiming to a place where, again, you hit 15, 16, 17 years old, where they could be able to begin anew the discovery of their faith from an adult perspective? Are you giving them the body of knowledge of their faith that they will need in order to go deeper? Are you giving them the arts, the grammar, the logic, the rhetoric that they will need to exercise in order to consider the most persuasive and truthful way to evangelize in the modern world, in their time in history, which will require historical knowledge. So you see how your, your overall consideration of the arts and the sciences can help you sort of focus and hone in on the best choices for your family for the coming years, all aimed at those top pinnacle theological sciences and the art of apologetics. And that would be it. That is a complete educational project. And now I hope you feel the sense of relief that I feel that, okay, 
yes, there are 15 different math choices that I need to look at. And yes, I need to solve this problem of which phonics program is going to work with this child because they are just not responding the way that my previous child did to this program. And oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But it's important that we retreat from all that noise and consider the broader scope and find peace in Despite all these little details that are, you know, we have to order this and I need to get this in and is this lesson plan going to work? What pace? And oh my gosh, we're burning out. We need to step back and consider education as arts and as sciences and start to map on choices we've made in the past for our education and our homeschool onto that very simple plan. If you need a printout or you want notes on this talk too, I will link below. I have made you a one-page cute little printable that has the arts and the sciences all laid out for you. And I would just print that out. And for each child, just kind of write down where you think you're nailing it. Which arts are we really working on and working on them well? And which sciences is this child really diving into? And that'll kind of give you a sense of where you also should highlight maybe rounding out a little bit or trying something new. If you ever want some ideas or just to bounce them off of another thinker, I am happy to talk to you. My first consults are always 20 minutes and they are always free just to listen to your ideas. And sometimes it just helps to have a, a sounding board of, oh, are we hitting the mark? Yes, we are. Great. This is really wonderful. So all those little subjects and places will find their meaning within the context of this framework, arts and sciences. And if you're giving your child a basis in the arts, they eventually will be able to pursue any science and to fill in the holes that they will inevitably leave your homeschool with. We're all going to leave high school with some holes in our education, right? No matter how rock solid our homeschooling classical Latin speaking mother was, we're gonna have holes because she's not God and you don't have to be God to your kids. In fact, don't try. But whatever you're going to leave high school with, you give them the skills to pursue those holes and fill them in on their own. Better than all of that, if your education is based on this structure in a home that is filled with love and the spirit of, okay, we fail and we get up and we try again by the grace of God, then your child will receive life. They will receive the gift of a life well-considered, and a life well lived with all of whatever limitations God has given you as their parents in all its suffering and its joy in relationships forged and relationships maintained um, in days that they anticipate and plan and days that they dread, they will be able to receive them because they have that backbone and that life of your love and your thoughtfulness. So I just want to close with a quote from Stratford Caldecott, who is my all-time favorite writer on education. Um, and he wrote, the fundamental idea drawn from the tradition of the liberal arts that goes back to ancient Greece is that schooling is not primarily designed to churn out efficient components of an economic machine able to compete in a global economy but rather to nurture human beings and to free the soul from the forces that hold it enslaved, not to impose faith, but to liberate the mind in such a way that it becomes able to make an objective judgment about faith for itself, not one dictated by the newspapers or social media, for example. And that's our whole project as parents 
and as educators, that is our point, is to form children who are free to recognize the truth, to love the good, and to desire real beauty. So for more on how to live out this amazing education, follow us on Verity Ed. Please hit subscribe and the notification bell. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You can listen in on Spotify or your podcast of choice. So make sure you grab that printable, the notes for today's talk. If you would like to engage me to speak at your next homeschool convention and bring some very practical tips on how to implement this amazing vision of education, you can find me at erica at veridied.com. Drop me an email and we should talk. I will see you all next time on Verity Ed. Thank you.